And we are live with another episode of the Sports Cafe. With us tonight, all of our regular contributors. First, we have uh, Mike Weil here from Chicago. How are things over in the Windy City? It's good, Mike. Thanks for playing Can't Stop. It's our go-to karaoke tune. Exactly. Yeah, but things are good, hanging in. A little sad about the White Sox, but I'll I'll survive. So hang, hanging in, hoping everyone's healthy. Thankfully, on my end, everyone's healthy, so no complaints. And you will find out later exactly why I picked this song. And next I'll go to Ian, who is uh, soon to be a New Jersey resident, uh, to be closer to his beloved Giants. How's it going over there? <laughs> exactly the reason. And I won't be too far away. Um, it's going well. Uh, we are recording on a Monday night, partially because I am moving later in the week. So yes, next time we record, I will be in New Jersey, looking forward to moving and also keeping a very close eye on the Yankees playing right now in the ALDS. So I know we'll talk about baseball in a little bit, but excited to get it going. Yep, and you, of course, are the only one that has his team remaining in the MLB playoffs, so congrats to you. And Adam, back in New York City after a summer at Cape Cod in Scarsdale. How's it going in the Big Apple? Doing well. All my teams are officially out of the race. That includes the Jets, so ready to give my unfiltered unbiased opinions on all the sports to talk about and i know there's a lot and let's get right into it um you know a lot of stuff going on in football uh, the first thing well yeah you know, we we have a couple of games that are still in progress right now but nonetheless with a uh, week four mostly in the books um you know, what were your biggest takeaways and maybe some of the biggest surprises coming out of last week and adam i'll uh i'll start with you since uh i know you probably don't want to talk much about your team Thanks, Mike. Yeah, a lot of interesting storylines. You've got the whole new COVID development now with one game being postponed and the Patriot game was put on hold, but they're playing now. Uh, The biggest takeaway for me, though, guys, was the Dallas Cowboys. So the Cowboys came into the season with really high expectations. They brought in a new head coach, Mike McCarthy, um, and they're one and three to start the season. They've been very disappointing. They gave up 49 points to the Cleveland Browns in a 49-38 loss. And to me, I know when we made our preseason picks, I had picked the Cowboys to win the division. And I had said, look, this team just has way too much talent to underachieve another year. And for so many years, people would point fingers at Jason Garrett and that he was the problem. But now we're seeing it's a new head coach in and we're getting the same results. So to me, Something doesn't add up with what's going on with the Cowboys. I know Dak Prescott has had questions around his contract, and he's on the franchise tender right now. But again, there seems to be way too much talent on that roster, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, for them to not be winning some of these games. I think you're right, although I, for one, am not complaining as an Eagles fan. I enjoy seeing this, but, I, I mean, you've got a point, right? A 1-3 and three start should be 0-4 if it weren't for the, the Falcon sheer stupidity. Um, so, Ian, what, what what are your thoughts being a— uh... Well, yeah, I mean, Adam, Adam stole what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I, I was going to talk more broadly about just that game and how many points were scored, and, uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott— He's their star running back, and he has not, uh, especially the last couple of weeks, he hasn't done much um, being held touchdownless, even in a game when they're you know, scoring that many points yesterday. Uh, but I think more broadly, to turn it into a little bit of a bigger point, is just the, the patheticness of that division. I know we were all joking last night about uh, 
how you know you could basically go from an offer to leading the division if if certain teams won. I know my team, the Giants, uh, you know they were driving late to to potentially go one and three. They would have been tied for first at that point. So. I think it's just a really pathetic division. Um, I think there were some stats they showed during Sunday Night Football. You can correct me, Mike. I'm sure you're watching the game more closely. But around um, the feebleness of the division, I think the, the the record, the combined record of the four teams, the worst it's been since like 2002 or something like that. So it's been pretty crazy. Obviously, the Eagles uh, you know, ended up uh, eking out the victory, but it was not easy by any means against uh, a backup quarterback in San Francisco. And... Uh, the Giants, you know, losing again in heartbreaking fashion on a poorly thrown interception. And even so, it would have required two point conversion to tie the game at the Rams. And then, uh, you know, the Washington football team, they they kind of I feel like they've started strong the last few weeks and then they've just fallen apart late. So um, more broadly, it's just how terrible that division's been, especially when we all thought the Cowboys and I think the Eagles, you know, would be some of the top teams um, in, in the whole league. And I want to say that I, I read about that earlier. Uh, the lowest it's been since 1984. Wow, even worse. Made less divisions, yeah. And Mike, you you are alone among us, uh, having a uh, a winning football team. Um, nonetheless, what were your takeaways? Still have a winning football team. Unfortunately, the game yesterday was just a repeat of what I've been watching pretty much my whole life. The Colts' defense is amazing, or the Bears' offense is bad, but I think this goes more toward Nick Foles getting used to being in the Bears' system still. He didn't have a lot of reps before last week in-game, so he, he led a great comeback against the Falcons. Hopefully, it'll pick up again where he left off Thursday night, but big takeaway, the Colts are for real. I know that I had picked them to win the division. There was some debate about them being at the top but now that the Texans have started 0-4 fired Bill O'Brien I think the Colts are the favorites for sure in the AFC South and otherwise I agree with Adam's takeaway about the Cowboys and the fact that they're just it's surprising how slow they've started and I feel like this is just a theme that similar to the Bears having no offense the Cowboys inconsistency no matter who the coach is whether it's Mike McCarthy or Jason Garrett repeats itself year after year and they're so talented on offense and they were supposed to have a good defense that it's super surprising to see them get off to the start and with Baker Mayfield and the Browns they're they look pretty good right now so I think that the two biggest takeaways for me were the Colts defense and the Cowboys slow start yeah and I I would have added on to the uh the NFC East talk, but um, nonetheless, there, there were a lot that we could talk about. So, um, one thing that has not yet been discussed is the Buffalo Bills, who at four yeah, zero have um, have been really impressive. I expected them to win the division. I did not expect them to go undefeated um, through the first four games, especially given that they had a couple of tough opponents. Um, you know, Josh Allen in particular has been a monster. I'm guessing anybody who picked them in fantasy is uh, probably pretty proud of themselves because they would have gotten them at a at a fairly low round. Um, so, you know, this this is a team that's always been known, at least for the past, you know, 20-plus years, for having a pretty solid defense, but not so much as far as the offense goes. And that is changing this season. Um, I know there's still a lot of season left to go. Um, they still have to face the Patriots a couple of times. Um, 
and if I'm not mistaken, some more of the uh, the NFC West teams, which is a very dangerous division, but they've impressed so far on both sides of the ball, so I'll be interested to see if that keeps up. And speaking of which, that leads into our next topic here. The, the, the Bills are one of six undefeated teams, the others being the Steelers, the Titans, the Chiefs, Packers, and Seahawks. So I will start with Ian. Which of those six teams do you think is going to go the longest without taking a loss? So I was deciding between two. I think the Chiefs, who are having a tough time right now with the Patriots, they would be, if you had to say who is the best of those teams, that's who I would pick. Uh, but given that they're you know, still in play right now, and our listeners will know if they are even one of the undefeated teams by the time this episode posts, um, I will pick another team, and that's the Seahawks. Um, I feel like the Seahawks have played extremely well somewhat under the radar i think everyone thought they'd be good but maybe not one of the best teams necessarily going into the season um so i i think their schedule just taking a look they they have a couple you know they went down to miami yesterday and squeaked by the dolphins but then after that starting next week um they're gonna be back at home against the minnesota vikings who i know have uh, not performed too well then they have their bye week. So if we are playing, you know, in terms of weeks, that's kind of gives them another free week to stay undefeated. Um, then they go over to Arizona. And I know the Cardinals started strong, but they haven't been, you know, amazing the last few weeks with Kyler Murray. So I know Russell Wilson's played really well. Their running backs have, have you know, provided a good balance to the offense, too. So um, I, I'm sticking with Seattle. And Mike, I know you were pretty high on the Seahawks uh, since the beginning of the season. What do you think? Do you agree? Yeah, I, I like the Seahawks to stay undefeated for a while. I'm interested to see Week 5, the Bills-Titans matchup. I think that's going to... The Titans, to me, are consistently overlooked, and they're solid. They're, there's not a phase of their game, offensively, defensively, special teams, that seems to be a weakness. But I think that the Bills are going to knock them off next week. But in terms of overall, I've been... Russell Wilson's leading MVP candidate in the league so i'm still like ian said very high on the seahawks so if if we're talking who's going to stay undefeated the longest it's it's a toss-up for me i could go chiefs i could go seahawks um but to me the team that's going to next fall is the titans i think the bills are going to beat them next week all right and adam i know you were also pretty high on on the Chiefs, you think that they're going to take the crown this year? Uh, you think they'll also be the uh, the last team to lose? So I don't love this question because it requires you to check the schedules of all six teams, which I haven't done. I, I looked at them very quickly. Um, so to me, I, I will interpret this as which do I think is the best team, which is going to be the Chiefs. And I, the Chiefs actually have, because of the reschedulement of what was supposed to be yesterday's game now being played today, Monday Night Football, they now have a span of three games in 10 days, which will probably be their biggest challenge of the season. So assuming that they can get through that, um, they do have a lot of cupcake games uh, in the weeks ahead. So I'm going to stick with the Chiefs. But a lot of these teams, uh, you'll if you check the calendars, actually play each other in the coming weeks. So I think we will see this number of six undefeated teams go down pretty quickly to the point where I, I can't really see many of these teams being around i think by week eight uh pretty much all these teams should have at least one loss with the exception of the chiefs if they can get through this three-game stretch yeah and listen next time i'll give everybody more than a day to figure this out <laughs> um and i'm actually going to go with the packers i know that's uh 
not the most conventional choice, but I'm going with them due to the relative ease of their upcoming schedule. Um, you know, them being in the NFC North, um, you know, not being necessarily one of the strongest divisions, um, in addition to the fact that they're playing both the AFC South and the NFC South, um, you know, they don't have any opponents that they can't beat. I'm sure they're going to lose at some point in the season, but if they can get past the, uh, the Buccaneers next week, then they've got a fairly easy road ahead of them, assuming that the 49ers remain almost as unhealthy as they are. So we'll see what happens. I think as Adam said, um, it'll be, you know, in the pretty near future that, that most of these teams will pick up their first loss. But let's each look in on our uh, respective home teams. And Adam, since you are far and away the leader right now, um, 11-3 to date in your picks. Um, I am going to start with you. Well you, well, you want me to talk about the Jets or um, all of them, all, all, all of the games that we uh, that we picked last week? Oh man, okay. Um, well, I, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll start with the um, uh, with, with the Jets game. So the Jets, I mean, look, I think we're going to be saying a lot of the same things from week in and week out. Um, they're just not a very good football team, and I think what stood out to me the most is, you know, if if you're drafting high. Obviously, your team is not very good, but it's so important for these young quarterbacks. It's all about where you're drafted and, and the fit. And to me, I look at the way Josh Allen is playing right now versus a guy like Sam Darnold, and I can't help but wonder if you had switched teams, would they have been in a different situation? To me, if Sam Darnold was playing at Buffalo, they'd probably be pretty close to as good as they are now. And if Josh Allen were on the Jets, I can say with supreme confidence that he would have been a disaster. And I think a lot of that is the culture that you build. A lot of it is the types of players that you choose to surround a franchise quarterback with. And I think I mentioned this last week, but Sam Darnold is on year three of a rookie contract. And he has no talent to work with. So they will have had this quarterback for three years. And he hasn't really gotten a fair shake as to whether or not he can play this level because let's face it he, he doesn't have much of a supporting cast to work with and I think you look at the Giants and Daniel Jones and I think they they run the risk of having a similar problem where the talent is so scarce on the team that he, it's going to be year three and they'll have a hard time deciding whether he's the guy or not so as far as the Jets uh, look you know we're tanking for Trevor at this point I, I really I hate to do this because it seems like every year we're rooting for the number one pick but um there, there's really not a lot of optimism moving forward. Um, we're going to be picking Jets games with seven, eight, nine, ten point spreads all season long, and um, you know I, I, I think that it's going to be a, a long season for the Jets. So um, you know, as far as the game itself, there's there's really not much to talk about. They're just an awful, awful team, um, and that's really all I have to say about the Jets. <laughs> all right, and then. Uh... What are you thinking? I know this is a little bit early, uh, and these picks are subject to change based on injury reports. Anything that changes with the spread and whatnot, um, you know. What, what are you thinking for uh, for next week's games that we have here? Uh, so, well, do do you want to all do our picks at the same time, or uh, like why don't we? Or you want me to just yeah, I think in, in past weeks we kind of had all of us weigh in on uh, the other person's home team, and then we kind of took it over. So I'm happy to go next. 
um, and yeah, and just kind enough. of agree with Adam. Yeah. Um, basically, the Jets, uh, you know, nothing that they've done so far this season gives me any confidence in them. So I, I can't see myself picking them. Um, so I will agree that I'll, you know, lay the points and and think the Cardinals will win by at least a touchdown. Um, quickly hitting upon my team, I know. Uh, you know the game is is not exactly what it w- was in past years. Giants Cowboys usually let off the season. There's a lot of excitement, um, you know, heading into a new year. But obviously this year the Giants are winless, going to Dallas looking for their first victory, which you know is going to be obviously very tough. I think Dallas had a you know a game that they're going to be pretty angry about um, and giving up that many points to the Browns. That said, the line is a bit high for my liking. I think the Giants could keep it competitive. It's interdivision. Uh, it'll be unlikely for them to win, but I could see them, you know, at least uh, keeping it a close game late, as we saw when they went to uh, L.A. to face the Rams last week. So I will take the points. I think the Giants, you know, I'm being maybe overly optimistic, but um, I'll at least um, give them the opportunity to to cover the nine and a half spread. Well, you, you did outperform the, the spread last week, so you might be able to do the same this week. And, you know, the Rams are a significantly tougher team than the Cowboys, at least thus far. So back over to Mike. Uh, you, you have a, a positive record here on the picks so far. Um, and the Bears, you know, they might have had a, a rough start, or I should say a, you know, a rough game after a great start last week. But uh, what, what, what are you thinking? Man, so it depends on the Patriots' injuries. It also depends on if there is a competent offense. Matt Nagy finally has. No, with the Bears. the It depends. There, There's two questions I have. One is, is Nick Foles going to be the guy that led them back in the fourth quarter against the Falcons or the guy that I saw last week against the Colts? And if he's the guy I saw against the Colts, then there's no chance the Bears even with the five and a half points are going to be within striking distance. If the Bucks are injured though, and I know OJ Howard unfortunately is out for the year with an Achilles injury, but they have some other banged up receivers. If they're hurt on offense, it makes it more manageable for the bears defense. So honestly, until I see the injury reports, I probably am not going to be able to make a final decision on this game but if, as of now, I'll assume that enough Bucks receivers will play, whereas as much as it pains me to say this, I'd probably lean toward Bucks, even giving the five and a half just because the Bears' offense looked so pathetic last week and the Bucks have a solid defense that I don't necessarily the, the bear seeing see the Bears covering um, or, or even with the points. So I'm going to take the bucks for now but going back and and commenting on the cardinals and jets uh the the jets to me as adam said there's not really a reason to take them unless they're getting nine ten points at this point so um if we're doing a quick breakdown mike do you want me to wait to do my picks for the other games yeah we, we will pick all of those uh once we wrap this up Okay, um, so in terms of pick. home team, in terms of my home team breakdown, the Bears last week looked putrid on offense. Matt Nagy has not impressed me as a play caller. He finally gets a quarterback who he picked to run his own system, unlike Mitchell Trubisky, who wasn't a great fit for the system Nagy wanted to run. 
and they laid it down. It was it was just awful. So with Tariq Cohen out, I know they signed Lamar Miller to the practice squad, but they're going to need a lot more offense to keep up with Tom Brady and the slew of Patriots stars. Even or sorry, not Patriots, the slew of Buccaneers stars, even with all their injuries. So I think that if the Bears can get Nick Foles on track like he was in the fourth quarter, they'll have a chance, and they'll definitely have a chance to cover. But again, the Colts' defense just suffocated the Bears' offense last week. They had three points till the Colts backed off with less than two minutes left. So um, that's that's my pick, long-winded, but my pick is the Bucks at least for now, until I see the injury report. Well, before we make a final, just keep in mind the last time Nick Foles faced off against Tom Brady, what happened there? Yeah, I know. That's, that's another. That's a great point. I actually said that to my dad yesterday. That it's a revenge game for Tom Brady. You don't really think of it like that, but I hope that it turns out, Mike, like it turned out for your Eagles last time. Nick Foles. I won't say his nickname on the air, but last <laughs> time Nick Foles demonstrated why his nickname is his nickname. So I'll leave it at that. And Foles, we trust. We're always going to say that in Philly. Exactly. You know, but coming back to the Eagles, um, I, I was the lone one among the the, the podcasters here to have uh, picked against the Eagles against the 49ers, and thankfully I was wrong. Um, I, I almost think it's because I picked against them that they decided to show me up. But it, you know, they, this was easily the most fun that any of us Eagles fans have had all season. Um, and it it, it kind of reminds me of, of the end of last year when – they had to have all these replacement players come in, and they were still able to win games. Um, you know, granted, the uh, the 49ers are about as heavily injured as the Eagles, which is, you know, probably a list longer than the people who are healthy. Um, but nonetheless, it's it's not easy to win in this league, um, you know, especially against a team that was the runner-up in the, for the Super Bowl last season. The guys played a hell of a game, and, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm still at the point where I think I'd rather them tank for a good draft pick than... Um, go for a playoff berth that either won't happen or, you know, would, would get them knocked out in the first round as, as the uh, the champions of the NFC East. But, you know, if they keep hustling like this, I, I think for a lot of us it'll be a fun season. You know, to me it's it's a win-win because if, if they somehow sneak into the playoffs um, with the squad that they got, then, you know, that, that'll be fun because it means that we've got a lot more talent than it looked like in the beginning of the season. And if not, then, you know, it's okay too because we'll, we'll get a great draft pick. But, We'll, we'll, we'll have seen that these replacement guys have have shown up more than our veterans have thus far this season. Um, you know, I, I personally don't really care so much when some of the veterans make it back because I'm enjoying this. Um, it seems like Wentz finally found himself a bit of a rhythm with, you know, some of these lower tier guys, uh, some of whom were just picked up from the practice squad the week before the game. Um, I think the guy's name was Travis Fobert, who had caught that, you know, Hail Mary pass for... 40-something yards, got them the, uh, basically the uh, the icing on the cake for them, what sealed them the game, and I had not even heard of the guy until he caught that ball. I don't think most people in Philly had either. So um, if we can keep seeing this, it'll be great, you know, regardless of how much they win and lose against some of the tougher teams coming up. So that'll bring us to our picks for next week. Um, and I will start here with Mike um, since your game is first on the list. So as I said, the Bucks. Unless the Bears can get Nick Foles on track, I'm taking the Bucks minus five and a half here. 
All right. And then Ian. So I'll kind of go against what why I was saying with the Bucks injuries. I believe it's a short week, right? It's a Thursday night game. I don't think they're going to have many of those guys healed, especially on the receiving core. So I will take the Bears to at least keep it close. They're, it's a pretty big underdog at home, so I will go against you and, and take your hometown team. I hope you're right. Seems like a recurring theme among us. We tend to bet against our hometown teams, and they, they show us up. So Adam, Not for me. <laughs> Not for me. My team always comes through uh, covering the spread. Um, I'm going to take the Bucks here. Now, I do want to preface it saying we're, we're making these picks on Monday night, uh, so the, the lines are not final, and word will come out about some injury statuses later in the week. So I do reserve the right to change my pick if, if this line moves to maybe seven points. Uh, but for now, uh, at five and a half, I'll, I'll take the Bucks to beat Chicago. And as for me, you will never hear me pick Tom Brady over Nick Foles. It is not in Eagles fans' blood to do that, so... I am going to pick the Bears right now. And I like I it. I like it, Mike. Your Eagles, your Eagles came through for me last week finally, so maybe the Bears can return the favor for you. And by the way, before we make our picks, I believe you should read out the standings so our listeners know which voices to listen to and which ones maybe to uh, be a little bit more cautious if they're putting some money on these games. It's Fair only enough. been four weeks, Adam. <laughs> it's only been four weeks. Yeah, with plenty of time for things to change. I got um, a I got a six game cushion on Ian. Yep, that well, that is right. You can change pretty quickly. Game. Right We're now, it's two games on five me, games a week. Assuming one yeah, of my can... three picks, I I, I would have picked the Bills. That was right. I would have picked the Chiefs. That was right. Well, actually, no. Now it's thirteen to ten. So I'm glad I didn't pick this game. So if the Packers win tonight, then I'm two behind you. So All right, well, keep, 11, keep, 11 and three is my record so far. Let the let the record show. It's you're doing excellent. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some catching up to do. But as Ian said, the season's still young. Five picks a week. We got a long ways to go. Uh, Mike, you were going to be nine and five if the Packers win. You're, you're currently at eight and five, and then myself at six and eight, and then Ian at five and nine. So. Still, you know, it could all change within two weeks. Ian could take the lead. And that'll bring us to our next game, the uh, the Cardinals at the Jets. Um, Ian, I will start with you. Yeah, I think I mentioned earlier, I will go with the Cardinals in this game. Jets have not showed me anything, or I don't think anyone else on this panel to trust them. I think for me, the line could be 10, and I'd still pick against the Jets. Adam, are you going to keep up your trend of uh, picking against your team? I am. Uh, six and a half seems kind of low. Um, Sam Darnold is questionable for the game, so I think the line could move even more if he Who's their not... backup? Joe Flacco. <laughs> he actually played yeah. a couple series in the game on Thursday night. Um, Darnold got hurt. It, the, the announcers had thought that it was a very, like a broken collarbone. They thought that he was going to be out for a long time. Uh, that I think it was a, a shoulder sprain, so his status is questionable. If they're smart, they should probably sit him and make sure he's healthy but the Cardinals on the other hand I don't think this is as easy a game as you would think um, from a spread standpoint just because the Cardinals have been a little bit disappointing to start the year um, they're two and two um, they've let a couple games slip away from them but yeah I, at, at six and a half I see them covering Mike you gonna go with the uh, the rest of the guys so far I think so I think this line being this low is a product of the Cardinals not beating the Panthers last week and then the Jets 
Le'Veon Bell is supposed to come back, and if Flacco starts, I'd argue that that makes the bookmakers in Vegas even more prone to, you know, giving the Jets some benefit of the doubt because at least he's a veteran presence. So I still, as Ian said, I think the line has to be significantly higher for me to take the Jets. So I'm I'm taking the Cardinals minus six and a half. And I'm going to do the same. So far, I, I believe I've picked to get to the Jets in all but one game, and that one game I was wrong. Um, so I'm going to have and to by the way, do you, do you realize how depressing this is for me that we're going to be picking the Jets every week, and it's really just a matter of, okay, how badly do we think they're going to lose? That's that's really what this comes down to. It'll never that's be... Why the Jets, if the Jets and Giants stay winless for much longer, <laughs> we might have to change this up and pick some more exciting games. I mean, look, it's uh, it's still you fun know. to talk about our own teams, but it's I don't... I, I can't... I don't see a game on the schedule where I, I would pick the Jets to win outright at this point. I, I just... I don't... See see it so maybe in the future Miami, maybe i don't know if it gets to the point where you guys don't want to pick your teams or games anymore no 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 it guys could we, we could, could pick, pick the a game of the week that you you'd like to pick and then... I, I just wanted to point out how depressing that is sorry uh-huh. mike mike Mandel, i know I, I think i cut you off there nah nah it is it is all good um we all agree on this pick so we'll move to the next game eagles at steelers um as I said, I was very impressed with the fact that they hustled last week for, or last night for the first time all season. Um, that said, um, Steelers are a tough, tough team, and it's going to be on the Eagles to prove that they can compete with some of the best. So I'm still going to have to pick the Steelers, hoping that yet again they're going to show me up and prove me wrong. And I'll go to uh, Adam. I'll let you pick this one next. Ooh, this is a tough one. Yeah. The Eagles have underachieved for sure. I think last night's win was impressive coming from behind. I don't think they look great, but um, you know, winning it on Sunday Night Football is always impressive. I, I think I'm going to pick the Steelers here. Is this a, this is not a primetime game, correct? Correct, not a primetime. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Steelers minus seven. Um, I think they have a week off, so they'll be rested. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Steelers. <laughs> All right, now go to you, Ian. I know you've uh, you've been to the Pittsburgh baseball stadium. Have you been to to Heinz Field? I actually went on a tour of Heinz Field, and I watched July Fourth fireworks from one of the uh, roundabout staircases at Heinz Field. Those are my two Heinz Field experiences. Never seen a game there, but it is a cool stadium. Um. This one, I agree with Adam. It's, it's a bit tough. I, I'm leaning towards the Steelers, but looking at their margin of victory, you know, they only beat the lowly Broncos by five at home, um, and then Houston, who's you know winless by seven. So I think that it'll probably be right around seven, but when in doubt, I'm going to go with the better team, so I will take the Steelers as well. How about you, Mike? You're going to go against the grain here? Are you going to... Uh... I, Roll with the flow. I really, I really want to, especially because Adam took the Steelers, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> tired of having the same picks since week one. But it's it's working out for both of us. Um, Mike, I've been on the Eagles train this whole year. I keep taking them, but in this game, I I just don't. I, I'm not confident enough to go against all three of you and take and take the Eagles here. I think that the Steelers defense against Wentz, who's been up and down again, I'm sorry, Mike, 
that convinces me to to run with you guys and also take the Steelers. All right, so we're all aligned there. And next up, the Giants and the Cowboys. Ian, your your hometown team. I will start with you. Yeah, I think I alluded to this earlier. I think you know the Cowboys are going to be hungry. Obviously, losing and getting in a sense embarrassed, at least on the defensive side, to the Browns this past week. But hosting another home game against the Giants, who you know I I think on offense they have some weapons. They haven't all you know figured it out. But another week, another opportunity to to kind of. Uh, you know, play a division rival and hopefully keep it close. The line's a bit too high for me. If it was, you know, six and a half, I'd probably take the Cowboys. But if it's, you know, close to 10 points, nine and a half in our case, I will take the Giants to at least keep it close. Maybe it's more of an optimistic pick than a, uh, you know, what might actually happen. But I'll take uh, my team to at least keep the game competitive. All right. Adam, our other New Yorker, um, I'll go to you next year. Yeah, this is a really tough game to pick. I've actually been going back and forth, and this is why it's it's hard to make these picks on a Monday because you need a little bit more time to think about it, wait for the injury reports to come in, things like that. Um, you know, on the one hand, the Giants, for the most part, have have been very close in every game outside the one against the Niners. They've been competitive, but offense has really been a struggle for them. And I, I look at a team like the Cowboys, and even though they're they're one and three, they've put up a ton of points and they've got a lot of firepower that I just don't think the Giants can keep up with. So I'm going to take the Cowboys. I don't feel great about it. Um, I do reserve the, the, the right to, to change my mind uh, on the record before um, b- before Sunday. But I think I think the Cowboys at nine and a half, just given the the weapons they have on offense, the fact that they're one and three, they probably should be zero and four. I think Mike McCarthy may start to feel a little bit of the pressure. His his job is safe, but I think as far as making sure his guys are focused and and not letting another game slip out of their hands. All right, Mike, I will go to you. Adam, I I'm sorry to do this. We keep picking the same teams. <laughs> I've also been going back and forth, but I to. It, for the exact reasons you said, actually, <laughs> I think that the Cowboys offense, this is a perfect game for them because the Giants struggle to score. The Cowboys have struggled to stop people. But I think that the Cowboys defense is better than the Giants offense. And the Giants defense is significantly worse than the Cowboys offense. So Dak Prescott, who has just blown up this year, is going to blow up again and blow out the Giants so Cowboys minus nine and a half and I'm actually fairly confident that that's going to happen with all respect to Jared Goff and Mitchell Trubisky and the other Dynamo quarterbacks the Giants have played this year I think Dak's in a different league yeah and I, I agree this is another tough one I keep going back and forth and I, I probably still will later in the week um, for now though I, I am going to go with the Giants um, due to the size of that spread um you know, they, they put up a fight against the Rams, and, and the Rams are clearly a better team than the Cowboys. Um, and, and I think that if the Giants play like that, um, they will be able to hold the Cowboys to within 9.5 points. I, I still think the Cowboys probably come out on top, but I don't know that it's going to be a blowout margin because they don't seem capable of doing so. So, you know, I, I reserve the right to change, but for now, I'm going to go with the Giants. And... I'll also add how pissed I am that I started Jared Goff thinking he would destroy them in fantasy and uh, for him to give me a nice goose egg. Um, <laughs> and last but not least, until we move, before we move on to the uh, 
the MLB, let's go with our game of the week between two undefeated teams, the Bills and the Titans. Uh, as of now, the Titans have a point and a half. Um, or I should say the Bills have a point and a half, but that is uh, subject to change throughout the week. Uh, Mike, I'll go with you. Yeah, I was surprised that the Bills are underdogs, even though the Titans are undefeated. I like the Bills in this game. Josh Allen's been phenomenal this year. Bills' defense has been one of the best in the league. I think the Titans are perennially underrated. They're going to be a very, very good team this year. They should make the playoffs. But in this game, I like the Bills to beat the Titans, meaning that they'll uh, benefit from having the plus one and a half. They won't need it. So Bills plus one and a half. But this line may change. I, I feel like the Bills are going to eventually be favored, even though Tennessee's at home. And we'll see. And Adam, how about you? Another compelling matchup as far as the spread is concerned. I'm going to take the Titans just because they've had nice. an extra week to compare. Yes, and, and so that Mike and I don't have all the same picks. Uh, look, two really good teams, both probably making the playoffs. The Bills, they're 4-0. They haven't. The, the win against the Rams was really good. Other than that, I mean, they beat the Jets, they beat the Dolphins. Um, they almost let the, the game last week against uh, the Raiders slip away. So I do think the Bills are very good. I'm not overly impressed with the teams they've beaten so far. I think this will be their first real test, and then they play Kansas City after this. So we'll, we'll really get a sense for how good this Bills team is. But I'll take the Titans with the minus one and a half. I, I recognize the the spread may change, but. Um, I feel good about the Titans here. And Ian, I will go to you. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Weil here. I, and maybe that's bad news for Weil, given my, my pick so far this year. But, um, I, I mean, the Titans are good. They did have the, the COVID scare last week. And, you know, I think that may contribute to some of their, uh, you know, their their mind may be off the, off the field, understandably. Um, and, you know, they squeaked by two teams that, well, really all three of their victories, right? They beat the, the Broncos by two, the Jaguars by three, and the Vikings by one. So none of those victories are very impressive. Um, I will agree with Weil, and I'll um, lay the point. No, take the points, right? And, and go with the, the road team, the Bills, to beat the Titans. Yeah, and this is another tough one for me. Both these two teams have been stellar to start out. As Mike said, the Titans are underrated. Um, the Bills have been unstoppable so far. Um, I, you know, as of now, I'm going to have to go with the Bills. Um, every single one of their wins has been uh, super impressive to me. Um, the Titans, you know, they, they've had close games against teams that they probably should have crushed. So I, I think that the slight edge goes to the Bills here. But I do think it's going to be a great, entertaining game between two teams that are usually somewhat underrated um, and that are both going to go far this season, but I'm going to go with the Bills. So that concludes uh, the segment on the NFL, and let's go to baseball where the um, first ever, well, it's not the first ever wild card round, but you know, as far as the current format with eight teams, it's the first time we've seen this in the best of three. Um, it's just concluded um, some pretty wild results here, which is, I think, what we expected given the uh, the uncertainty of a three-game series. But uh, overall thoughts, I'll, I'll start with you, Adam. Yeah, the games were fun to watch for the most part. I know the ratings were not very good. Um, I like the, the, the best out of three for the wild card. I, I really hope that baseball does away with the 
one game winner take all wild card. I think if you're going to have that, it should at least be best of three. Um, so there were a lot of compelling matchups. I think what stood out to me the most was the Braves series against the Reds. And I know we didn't make our picks on the show, but I did pick the Reds to go to the World Series. And a, a large part of that was due to the strength of their rotation with Trevor Bauer, Luis Castillo, and Sonny Gray. Trevor Bauer certainly delivered, but unfortunately the Reds were completely shut out in the series. They did not score a single run in their two games, and the first game went like 15 innings, so that was a big disappointment. Um, the Braves, you have to be really impressed with the way they played. Um, you know, obviously great starting pitching, and guys like Acuna and Marcelo Zuna came up really big in the clutch, so I, I like them moving forward. Um and, uh, you know, excited to see how far they can go. I know they've had a lot of postseason woes in, in recent years. They had that really long stretch where they won the uh, National League East like 15 years in a row or something, and they only got one World Series title to show for it. So this team uh, is, is really good. I know they lost their ace due to injury earlier in the season. He, he tore his Achilles against the Mets. But uh, right now they're, they're rolling, and they have a very favorable matchup against the Marlins in round two. Yeah, and you actually did pretty well the first round. You picked five out of eight correctly, so... But I lost my champion, <laughs> or my, my uh, runner-up. You did lose your runner-up, but your champion's still very much in it. And then Ian, our resident Yankees fan, whose team is still in it, I will go to you next. Yes, and uh, I definitely have one eye on the game tonight, playing uh, the Rays in a very strange setting in San Diego, which I know we'll we'll get to in a bit, but... Um, I was pretty surprised at the Yankees winning. I, I really thought Cleveland matched up well against them. And obviously we saw in game two, I think it was the longest game in postseason history from a nine inning standpoint, tied a record in terms of walks for one team ended at, I think around one thirty AM given there were two rain delays. So that was a wild game and, and the Yankees did eke it out after, um, being down going into that final inning. So, um, I was pleasantly surprised how the team seemed to click. They weren't completely relied on the home run, got some timely hits, and I think they'll have a good chance in this round. So uh, while the Yankees are not often considered the underdog, I believe they were in the first round and are again um, against the Rays. I thought the Yankees are favored in this round. Um, yeah, I think they are, actually. I, they are. I thought yeah. I saw the odds where the Rays had a better chance of winning. I don't know if that's different than the odds makers but i saw that the yankees at least for game one actually were favored i don't know well if game that one makes sense i mean that's cool but we can we can double check on that yeah all right mike i will move over to you as as i calculate how Ian did doing his first week of picks yeah well i could tell you i i'm in pain still a little bit it hurts we lost to the a's i i thought especially after the white Sox won the first game they were sitting pretty and should at least win one out of the next two. Um, the the things I was worried about came back to haunt us. I was skeptical of, even though Rick Renteria, the White Sox manager, is a very nice guy, throughout the year he's made some questionable decisions, and the way he managed Game 3, which was the elimination game, was a little perplexing to me. But all in all, A's are a good team. They're one of those teams, classic A's team, a lot of guys that you wouldn't consider stars, but as a whole, they're solid. Right now, the Astros are up one nothing, and as you know my opinion on the Astros, I couldn't pick them to win a series. So 
my bracket, I could tell you right now, I had the Reds and White Sox in the championship series. I was being a little a bit of a homer, but also those two teams were pretty... The Reds were hot going into the break, and the White Sox were beginning to turn it around. But I still have the Dodgers and Rays in the World Series, but didn't have a great first round, I don't think. Um, but overall, optimistic about the White Sox future, and I think that in terms of both races... Uh, National League, the winner of the Padres-Dodgers series to me is going to the World Series. The Braves are great. I think that they could give, especially if, if the Padres win, the Braves could have a shot to reach the World Series. But to me, with the offense the Padres have, there's going to be the the winner of, of that series is, is very, very scary. So... Um, I'm really excited. Of, of all the division series, I think that the Padres-Dodgers consensus would be the series that everyone would pick. So I, I wanted to ask a question. I guess it's directed towards Wild, but would love to get all your guys' opinion as well. Yeah. The the Central Division, I know it's been well-reported, they went 0-7 in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. To me, or Mike, you've got to be pretty like disappointed in that. Like To me, and I may be in the minority here, but... For the most part, I find myself, I, I would root for, unless it's a bitter, bitter rival, like Ian, I, I don't expect you to ever root for the Red Sox. And for me, I probably, I think the Phillies would be the one team I wouldn't root for in the NL East. But oh, I on. find a source of pride in the your, your divisional rivals, the team that you play by far the most number of games with. And I find myself wanting them to do well in the postseason. Um you know, A, because, you know, they're in your division, you, you kind of, you know, you want to take pride in having one of the stronger divisions in the league. And B, if those teams have success in the playoffs, maybe it motivates ownership to spend more money or do whatever it takes to compete with those teams. Like last year, for example, I, I find myself, I found myself rooting for the Nationals to win. I thought they were a likable team. They were, yes, rivals with the Mets. I don't think they were, certainly when they lost Harper, uh, I didn't find them to be as hateable, um, but to me, yeah, like I, I, I would love to see the Braves win it. I, <laughs> I kind of get enjoyment if the Marlins won, um, just because of the chaos it would cause. And Mike, I know I mentioned uh, not rooting for the Phillies, although to be honest, I, I found myself rooting for this year's Phillies team to make the playoffs because I think they're very talented and they would have been fun to watch in the playoffs. So I don't know, am I in, am I in the minority here, or do you guys find a sense of like divisional pride in the playoffs? Adam, I normally, in certain sports, agree with you. Uh, I think hockey, namely, I was rooting for the Stars to win it, to rep the Central this year. In baseball, I've just gotten so tired of the White Sox getting their butts kicked by the Twins and Indians year after year the last few years that I took pleasure in seeing, first of all, the the Indians lose because they were just a pain in our side, not that it ended up mattering, but it did give me some sense of but joy. Those teams, but those and teams never win. Aren't the White Sox the last AL Central team to win the World Series? No, the Royals. The Royals oh, are oh, the last. God, how could I forget that? <laughs> but as the White Sox have been never forgotten happened. so many times, the Royals are forgotten. AL Central is really a forgotten division, and I think one of the things that's forgotten, and Adam, to your point, I understand... I think if the Twins made the World Series and were playing like the Padres, that would be like hell for me because you're <laughs> Fernando Tatis and Machado and all the guys that were supposed to be on the White Sox and then the Twins who I hate. I would root for the Twins in that situation and I would root for the Indians because I'd want to see them end their 48-year drought. 
Um, the Twins I hate. I will never like the Twins because they've been the White Sox biggest rival in terms of just competing at the same time since I was in middle school and the Indians when I was little were always winning the division so the Indians I hate less than the Twins I kind of feel bad for them I was really rooting for them in 2016 against the Cubs I don't remember what happened in that World Series but um, overall I understand your point normally yeah division pride I get it but I think in baseball especially this year the whole thing's so fluky that it doesn't really reflect on regular season performance. Like the Astros were under 500, and now they're one, winning one to nothing in the ALDS. So, normal circumstances, yes, I agree. Division pride over a 162 game season, it would mean more to me. But given the abbreviated season, even though they did play each other exclusively, it wasn't as big of a factor. It was sort of that pennant race feeling where you just hated the teams you were competing against wanting to see them lose. So I didn't mind that Twins and Indians got knocked out. I don't know if you guys feel differently. That's pretty rough. It's embarrassing, but the Cubs lost, so I was happy about that. And then Reds and Cardinals, I don't really care about. What do you think, Ian and Mike? I, I, oh, go ahead. No, you got it, man. No, I I agree with Wile. I probably am the opposite of Adam. I would prefer the non-Yankee teams to lose um, in the playoffs if the Yankees are not in it themselves. Don't uh, luckily have the issue that Adam mentioned on you know forcing ownership to spend if the other teams do well. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if it's not the Yankees, I don't want it to be one of their division rivals. I'd much rather it be some random team. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I cannot root for, for one of the Phillies division rivals. I, I, I simply can't do it. Um, you know, they've all got a pretty bitter relationship with the Phillies in general. Um, I don't know if I would feel the same if I was in another division. You know, maybe if I was a, a Yankees or Red Sox fan, seeing someone like the Blue Jays win would, would be something. But um, as a Phillies fan in, in a, you know, competitive and brutal NL East, um, I will always root for one of the other divisional teams to win. Um, I, I tend to like those teams more, in fact, too. Like, you know, this year, for example, I like the Padres and, you know, how much of, of a surprise they've been. I honestly like the Rays because they don't usually get a lot of glory. Um, so, and, and even the White Sox, they, they were they were fun this year. So I I honestly cannot say that I would be rooting yeah, for I a think, division rival. I think you mentioning the Blue Jays is interesting because that's a team right now that maybe I would be rooting for them if the Yankees were eliminated and they were still in it just because they are, you know, kind of young, up-and-coming and, and a bit of an underdog. But I could never root for, obviously, the Red Sox and the Rays right now. Well, Ian, I, I actually will make one counter to that, and I don't know if there's a direct correlation, but I mean, the Red Sox won the World Series two years ago, and you could argue that the Yankees have felt a greater sense of urgency to bring in a starting pitcher to help get them over the top. So you could argue that maybe if the Red Sox hadn't won the World Series, maybe the Yankees don't feel that that need to go completely overboard to to bring in Garrett Cole so I guess what I would ask you Ian is would you have if you knew going in that the Red Sox if the Red Sox won the World Series it would lead to the Yankees signing Garrett Cole would you sign up for that or would you have said nope I don't want the as long as the Red Sox don't win maybe the Yankees can figure it out but they wouldn't get Garrett Cole I mean, it's it's a I guess a bit of a strange question because who knows if it's real or or very hypothetical. But I would say no. I would take my chances with the Yankees' ownership still ponying up and paying Cole, even if the Red Sox lost. So I think it's that rivalry's been going on for what a hundred years. I don't think 
maybe it adds a little bit, but it's hard to quantify that. So I'd rather see, you know, the Red Sox and the Boston's fans not having <laughs> their duck boat parades um, and okay. uh, the Yankees just being the Yankees. Yeah, and before we move on to uh, to basketball, I'll give my brief thoughts on the on the first round here. And I think um, what, what adds to the volatility here, along with the fact that it was a short season and you had a best of three for a lot more teams than baseball usually allows, is um, the statistic that Adam had cited. I, I had noticed that um, even before the um, the Padres had finished off the Cardinals, um, the, the fact that all, all seven central teams lost – it was really unpredictable because the divisions did not play each other, save for their interleague counterparts. So, you know, you, you really didn't know how good each of these teams were. You only really knew how good they were against the rest of their geographical location. Um, if, if they had had a little bit more variety in the scheduling, my, my guess is you would have seen a much different balance of playoff teams than, than what you would have seen. You probably would have seen less central teams more West teams, probably you know a couple more East teams as well. So I, I think that that's really what stood out to me, which I think is going to make the next round almost as unpredictable. Um, even with the Central having been eliminated, you still have you know the West and the East teams that have never played each other. Um, so I, I think at this point, and, and I ended up picking the the Rays to win it all, but it's really anyone's ball game. So yeah. Please, and- Go ahead. Wait, I just want to jump in. Adam, I'm going to ride to the fence of the Central. I think that the playoffs <laughs> are different than the regular season. That it just so happened you had matchups of the Twins haven't won and, you know, they lost 18 straight playoff games. And the Astros cheated to win in 2017, but they have a ton of playoff experience. So they had the advantage there. The Indians and the Yankees, yes. The, the, the Yankees... The, the East, in terms of the top of the division, was the best because you had the Yankees and Rays. So it just so happened the Yankees' bats woke up and destroyed the Indians' pitching, and that was it. Um, and then the White Sox and the A's, the, the A's just eked out a win in, in three games. So the regular season to me showed that the Central had good teams in both divisions, I think more so in the American League than the National League. But, Mike, to your point, you're right that the experience, the playoff experience of the teams in other divisions or how they matched up really favored the other divisions. So um, I think that the Marlins beating the Cubs was really the only aberration. Um, yeah, Marlins I, have never I, lost a series. Yeah, right? the it's crazy. Right. They're, they're like the Cubs kryptonite. <laughs> they The last time they were in the playoffs was the Bartman series, and then now they sneak in and win the first two who knows they could win the war listen based on track record yeah, the marlins, marlins could win match. exactly you get revenge for 2003 i yeah. i get that a three-game series is a crapshoot but not a single of the seven teams could luck their way into winning a three-game series i it's i don't know your pride's got to be hurting a little bit there yeah you know i think it adds to the uncertainty of the season for me um not nonetheless um and then next round will be a lot of fun to watch either way. Um, and that will leave us with our uh, final sport for the night, basketball. Um, we are in the midst of the NBA Finals uh, so far through three games. We are at a 2-1 to one in uh, the Lakers' advantage right now. Uh, game 2 or Game 4 is going to be tomorrow night, technically a home game for the Heat, although I don't know how much that really matters. Um, so... 
First and foremost, I will start with Adam, who, who to date has been the most pessimistic on the Heat, um, having picked against him in three out of four series thus far, including this one. Mm. So, Adam, well, well, you know, everything that you've seen so far, are you still, uh, you still thinking the same? Well, the first thing I'll say is that, it, unfortunately, this NBA Finals has really lacked the juice that we've seen in previous finals. And I think it's a number of different factors. I, I found the the playoffs to be very exciting for the most part. But for some reason, I just I haven't really been able to get into the finals for some reason. And maybe it's just the lack of star power on the Heat, uh, the fact that they've had injuries to Drogic and Bam Adebayo, who have missed the last two games. So... I, I think it's very impressive that the Heat were able to to make it out of the Eastern Conference. I, I didn't see them beating the Celtics, although I think I, I had picked the Celtics in seven, so I, I thought that would be a competitive series. Um, they are look the the Heat are a really good team. Uh, Jimmy Butler we're we're seeing here is just he's a star. He's ultra competitive. I think he's showing that um, you know what you can get a guy who works really really hard. He's not. He's not extraordinary at anything. He's not a great three-point shooter. Um, you know, he doesn't have the best handles, but he, he he plays really, really hard. And I think you're seeing the value in a player like that. And he hasn't really gotten a chance to shine like he is here in Miami. But um, as far as this series goes, I know that the Heat won last night, despite being extremely shorthanded, which was impressive. But I'm still sticking with my original pick of the Lakers in six. Um, I think for the Lakers to lose this series, would be a huge blemish on LeBron's resume. I think everybody likes to talk about losing this series to Dallas, his first year with, with Miami, but I think losing this series where, where LA is, is clearly the superior team would be a, a major hit to his legacy. So I don't see LeBron um, I don't see LeBron losing this series. And next I'll go to Mike, who, uh, who's had a different perspective on the Heat thus far. Um, you, you have... Uh... I want to say pick the Heat in all but the conference semis, uh, including for this series. You've picked them to to win in seven. Uh, do you like what you're seeing so far? Yeah, I was. I honestly was being a contrarian when I did it. I I have been on the Heat train since they beat the Bucks, and I wanted to to ride it, even though I personally my my head thinks the Lakers are going to win this series, but my heart said Heat in seven. So Jimmy buckets carried him to a win last night. I. To Adam's point about it feeling different, I think that this is the series where I feel the bubble make the most palpable difference. And similar to the Stanley Cup final, where normally in an NBA finals, you have just electricity in a stadium. And in this instance, because there are no fans, with the exception of the digital screens that they have, it's not as... It doesn't feel like a finals to me. It it feels like you have two of the best teams from each league playing, but there's not that electricity. So it could actually help the Heat because you don't have the added charge of fans pumping up LeBron or, you know, Anthony Davis or the Lakers stars and making the young Heat nervous. But at the same time, it could make the difference if the Heat had a home game and you don't have the Heat fans. So overall, it doesn't feel like a finals. I'm just going to go with my heart here. Heat in seven. I really think the Lakers are going to win. I, I probably, my head would say Lakers mm-hmm. in six. But if the Heat win, I'm right. Heat in seven. Uh, hopefully, Bam Adebayo comes back next game and 
it's a huge positive that Jimmy dropped 40-point triple-double. Mike, you and I both shared having Jimmy Butler on our teams and it not working out and seeing him thrive now. He, he proved all his doubters wrong. So very, very impressed with Jimmy Butler throughout these playoffs and especially the leadership he's shown in this finals. May, may as well. I, I feel like, you know, we, we can have a half a podcast around the, the Jimmy Butler saga. I, I was skeptical at the time that they, um, they decided to let him go. So, um, I, I obviously, you know, he, he's, he's found a home so far, but I'll move over to Ian who, uh, had picked the Lakers in seven, if I'm not mistaken, to win this series. I think it was Lakers in six. Okay. I believe, unless I mean, either way, I yeah, I think we had the same one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously after game two, I thought it was much more likely they would sweep. It was a crazy impressive performance by the Heat last night and and Butler uh, as well. As I'm watching the Yankees get another hit at the same time, um, or maybe an error on that play, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Heat were, I think, nine and a half point underdogs last night, and they ended up winning in convincing fashion. So that victory there was super impressive. Even if they lose the next two, it's it's just a big difference than getting swept. Um, like Adam said, I can't see LeBron you know, not figuring it out in the next couple games. I think the, the Lakers can win even potentially in five still. But um, I'm really happy that the Heat did win last night and make it a series. Now it's... Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we kind of touched on the ratings and the lack of interest, but hopefully the longer the series goes, the more intrigued they'll be, especially if we get into, you know, game six or seven um, with LeBron, you know, potentially going for another title or, or blowing this one after the two nothing lead. So uh, looking forward to a extended finals um, the rest of the year. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited as well. I, I have been on the heat train um, like Mike, but possibly for even a series longer than that, uh, despite the heat yeah, being you, down. You have been. You have been. Yeah, yeah we're, we're both on it now, though, right? And, uh, you know, despite the heat being down 2-1, to one, I'm about as ready to concede as the Heat are themselves. Um, I, I think what they did down both uh, Bam and Dragic was very impressive. Uh, it showed the strength of the team and, and just, you know, frankly, the drive. Because I think almost anybody would look at the, the Lakers roster and, they would see more raw talent there, but you know that the Heat have played. Bam even said this himself. What what I had said the prior week that that they've played with a chip on their shoulder the entire playoff season, and you know to me that's going to continue. Um, nonetheless, I, I get it. The Lakers are uh, clearly the the toughest opponents that the Heat have faced so far. Um, I call it the Heat a runaway train, but even a runaway train could be derailed by a huge pile of dynamite, depending on how big the pile is. So. Um, <laughs> You know, if the Heat were to go down, I would absolutely concede and need some crow. But I still think they're going to pull it out. I said six. It might be seven. But I think at the end of the day, it's going to happen. Um, and to, to, to Adam and Mike's point about the um, the finals not feeling like the finals, I, I do feel like a part of it is the fact that we're seeing a few virtual fans without the uh, the atmosphere in the arenas, I also think that the timing is part of it as well, because usually the the finals are going to be when there's no football, when baseball is in the middle of its regular season. Um, this year it's different because we, we we're in the middle of football, which just tends to get a lot more fanfare, and in the midst of the baseball postseason. So, you know, I, I feel like those two things combined have, have taken away from the fanfare. Um but. I just remember watching some of Damian Lillard's games and thinking, wow, you know what? 
there's no fans here, but but the the buzz and the excitement is still there. And maybe maybe it is because the lack of star power on the Heat side. But I I I thought that I would feel the same way for the finals. But it, I don't know. Something is 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 clearly missing. Maybe it is. Maybe it is just the fans. I don't know. I mean, LeBron's there, right? As you said, you know, you they think- have the star power. Yeah. Well, on one side, though. I mean, Jimmy's fun. Tyler Hero's been great to watch. Yeah, they're not at the same level. is an all-star. I know they're not the same level, but I think it's the fans. I honestly think that the atmosphere for both the Stanley Cup Finals and the NBA Finals, it just, it's weird. And it'll probably be the same for the World Series, that you just don't have Well, there the are going to be some fans. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> That's the plan as of today. Right. Yeah, we'll, tickets we'll, tickets we'll on sale. Tickets on sale. That is such That's a bad so idea. Especially if the Astros make it, it'll be like grossly unfair. But you know that, that'll be a discussion for another day. Well, but maybe we'll get some. We'll get well, some no, of that the, garbage can. Uh, you know, some of the. But the, ga- the games are them. in um, the Ranger Stadium. Yeah, they which are. is only a short drive. They from could Houston. easily drive. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing. Whereas it's going to be a flight away from almost anybody else. But we we will have plenty of time to debate that. Um, so some other NBA news that came up was Doc Rivers, who who was recently. Uh, terminated from his position as head coach of the uh, the LA Lakers crosstown rivals, the Clippers. Well, not really crosstown, but the uh, the Clippers. <laughs> he's uh, he's become the Sixers head coach. Um, so, Adam, I will allow you to give your thoughts first, um, since you are the uh, the resident Clippers fan, and I think we're we're generally pretty happy to see Doc go. I mean, you're never happy to see someone lose their job. I think I I, I think Doc Rivers is a great motivator i think he gets the most out of his players in that regard but as far as being an x's and o's guys i don't know that i'm necessarily sold on him i think for a coach to blow three three one leads over the course of his career that's a pretty big deal and to to allow that to happen on three different occasions is either telling me that you took your foot off the gas or you failed to make the adjustments that you needed. The other team made adjustments and you couldn't adjust on the fly. So um, in, in that regard, I don't. Th- I think he's a little bit overrated as a head coach. He definitely left the championship on the table with Boston and he had two really, really good Clippers teams and uh, that, that, that both had legitimate shots to make the, the, the finals and they couldn't even get into the Western Conference finals. So um, as far as the Sixers, I think they probably need to rework the roster a little bit. Uh, he's a big name. I think if, if you can get guys like Embiid and Simmons to buy into him, then it's a good hire. But as far as Doc Rivers being the missing piece to, to take the Sixers from where they are now to a, a championship-level team, I don't think that's the answer. Mike, do you agree? I think that it's all about timing. I think I agree with Adam's point that as he said in the past playoff failures, it was time for a new voice, especially now you've Kawhi there. And if it wasn't going to work this year with Kawhi and Paul George, maybe it was time for someone else to take over. I think the unfortunate part for the Sixers, and Mike, you could chime in, but to me it's a little bit off with the timing. If you still had Jimmy Butler there with like last year's rosters with a lot of their guys coming together, I think Doc would have been the perfect coach or at least better than Brent Brown was. Now you kind of have this gray area where they're and I think Doc is good. I think that for the hire that the position the Sixers were in, it was a good hire. 
not just because of the name. He knows how to win. And if you can convince Simmons and Embiid to be your building blocks, maybe get a third veteran in there, they, I like the hire. Yeah, and I, as the Sixers fan, I, I tend to take Mike's side on this one. Um, I, I think for a team that, that has clearly regressed um, significantly from its prior season, Doc Rivers is the right guy for the job. Um, I was clamoring for Teron Liu, especially given that I think it would have been a, a buy-low prospect. Um, I really respect what he did with the Cleveland Cavaliers coming in, you know, midway through the season. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm still – I am happy with the uh, with the Doc choice. Um, he's a huge step above Brett Brown. I know that's not a, huge, a very high bar to cross, but he's a big step above him. I also think that he's better than D'Antoni. Um, and I, you know, I, I take Adam's point that he could have done more with the Clippers, um, that they had a, a disappointing end to this season, and he wasn't able to take their talented roster to the promised land. But he, he still has a decent track record, and especially with, with the Celtics, having taken them from zero to hero in the course of one season. I want to say they finished dead last in 07 uh, yep. to the champions in 08. And, you know, but he, he, left the, he left the title on the table for sure. That, that team was good enough to win multiple championships. Yeah, that, 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 you know that's that's a fair point, and and we could we could probably have a an entire half podcast on that one as well. Um, you know, not, nonetheless, I I still think he's good for the Sixers, and and Mike had actually made the point that that I was going to touch on, which was that I if you look at the um, the off season moves that were made during 2019, um, a lot of that can be blamed on the general manager Elton Brand, but I think a part of it has to go to the coaching. You look in particular at uh, the Jimmy Butler exit. and He was actually recently on a podcast with J.J. Redick, who also exited the, the same offseason. And, you know, I have to think that Brett Brown's inability to uh, to get Jimmy to work with Ben Simmons, which was said to be the main factor in his decision to leave, you know, could, could somebody like Doc have made that happen? Um, you know, to Mike's point, past is past, right, that, you know, that roster is gone. We've got to deal with the current roster. But you know, going forward, I would really like if we were able to build as talented a team as possible and simply be able to trust a guy like Doc to deal with the personalities. And I'll just add this final point. If anybody um, disputes me being skeptical of uh, Jimmy leaving the Sixers uh, but before the, the Heat started their uh, their playoff run, ask my uh, – my man, man, Matt Orman, who has been going to Sixers games for longer than any of us even knew the Sixers existed, uh, he was there when I said it, and he even agreed with me. So um, I won't get any more into that. I will move to final thoughts, um, and I will start with uh, with Wild here. Okay, thank you, Mike. So as we touched on earlier in the show, the White Sox lost to the Oakland A's. However, my final thought is just a shout-out to the whole team, I'm super excited about 2021. It looks like we're going to have a contending team for a long time. We're getting a lot of pieces back. Michael Kopech should be back. We need another starter. I'm looking forward to entering the Trevor Bauer sweepstakes, not thinking we're going to win them, but we will see. That'll be a topic for another day. But Jose Abreu, I want to give a shout-out especially to him. He's been fantastic for the six years he's been on the team. He's the heart and soul in terms of just leading by example. He should win the MVP this year, in my opinion. Had a fantastic season leading the league in RBI and up there in batting average and home runs. So Jose Abreu, amazing season. 
White Sox have a very bright future in 2021. Sad we lost, but we'll move forward and hopefully contend for a championship next year. All right, now we'll move to Ian. Your final thoughts. I will bring us back to baseball, specifically the Yankees. I know we didn't have a chance tonight to talk about um, the division series that um, have started tonight and will continue tomorrow with the NL teams uh, and AL in action. We have a quadruple header starting, I think, uh, around 2 o'clock tomorrow. So looking forward to that. But Yankees raise, I, I think it's going to be a close series. Um, I'm hopeful that the Yankees can pull it out in five. I think the five games in a row aspect is really going to hurt the Yankees. While they're, while the, the back end of their bullpen is strong, the depth is not strong. A guy like Adam Adovino who's been trusted in, in years past, is basically in the doghouse. He's not getting any opportunities of late. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, they've had some injuries in the bullpen too. Paxton, from a starting pitcher standpoint, is still um, not healthy. So I think they're going to have to win, you know, the Cole games. I should say game or games if they decide to bring him back on short rest. Um, I know tonight he's pitched, you know, he's he's got a little jam going on here in the bottom of the fifth. So he's pitched OK, but not great. Um, G-Man Choi has already taken him deep tonight. I think it's his third time in, what, 14 plate appearances. So um, there's some statistical oddities around Cole. He either seems to strike guys out or give up home runs. But uh, just excited for more Yankee baseball. Um, I know I while my football team is is out of it and. Uh, obviously, basketball with the Knicks and and the uh, you know the Rangers. Uh, although they do potentially have the first or they do have the first draft pick tomorrow night, um, it's still a bit of a longer road to to glory. Hopefully, the Yankees can uh, continue play and getting to at least till the ALCS. If they rematch against the Astros, that would be pretty fun to see. Um, so. Just uh, sharing my final thought that I'll be rooting hard for the Yankees, and hopefully when we regroup next week, we'll be able to preview the Yankees and the ALCS. And Adam, your final thoughts? Yeah, my final thought, I wanted to give a quick shout-out to the NHL. They're the first sport to pull it off. Um, We talked a lot about whether or not the bubble approach was the way to go, and the NHL showed that it worked. They were able to get... Uh, what was it, 22, 24 teams in the bubble. They had a very successful playoff um, uh, playoff run. Um, nobody tested positive. Uh, I think the playoffs were very exciting. It, it certainly helps when you have a, a horse in the race, but I felt like the drama and the excitement of the games w- was still there, even with announcers broadcasting off of TV screens. I did watch a little bit of the Stanley Cup Finals as well, and there were a couple overtime games, and I thought you could you could feel the drama as well. So uh, we spent so many months just talking about whether it was possible and whether it was going to happen, and the NHL was the first one to do it, so I think that's great. Um, and then also one of the things I remember thinking about was if a team wins the Stanley Cup, are they going to be able to celebrate? Are they going to be able to enjoy it? And I always wondered, okay, like are guys going to be – kissing the cup and passing it from one guy to the next and while in the time of COVID it's probably not the smartest thing to do just given the fact that people are tested daily and they had been in a bubble for two months and uh, no one had tested positive uh, I'm glad to see that they got to enjoy it and have a traditional Stanley Cup celebration albeit without fans yeah and shout out congratulations to my Tampa Bay Lightning my pick to win the (laughs) Stanley Cup for bringing it home for me 
obviously wanted the Blackhawks to win, but if they couldn't win, congratulations to the Lightning. At least I got that right. So we'll see what happens. You were rooting for the Stars, though. I know, but I'm glad that the Lightning won because I picked them. So it was a win-win for me. The okay. Central would have won, or my pick would have won. So yeah, happy being right's always fun too. Exactly. And since we are uh, quite a bit over our hour, I will wrap it up here. Um, all our contributors, Mike, Ian, Adam, myself. We'll see you next time on uh, Sports wait, Cafe. Wait, 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 wait! You get a final thought too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I was going to skip myself, but I'll go quickly here. Um, So I'll bring it back to baseball because um, obviously after the uh, the conclusion of the wild card series, I've had thoughts about what what it's going to look like going forward. And I think this was, you know, if you're going to test something like that, this was a good year to do it. Um, I have gone on the podcast saying that I'm against expanding playoffs beyond even the four teams per league that used to happen and now beyond the five. But I've got a feeling it's not going to happen that they probably will move to eight teams per league going forward. So, you know, a couple of things that I would at least recommend they they change. A, um, the wild card series cannot be a best of three. It, it is way too short given the uh, the length of the regular baseball season. Um, ha- having a crapshoot like you do with a with a best of three series, um, not not a good idea going forward. So I'd rather see it personally best of seven, but I, I could understand if they go to best of five. Um, which is what they do during the NLDS um, pre-2020 or, or the, uh, the, divi- the divisional series between you know, pre-2020. And the other change I'd make is, you know, I understand giving the division heads uh, the one, two, and three seeds, but the second place teams um, should not be getting four, five, and six. I think after the, uh, the division heads, um, it should basically be all wild cards. You get the, uh, the best wild card is fourth, second is fifth, and so on, regardless of division. Um, so that's what I'm hoping to see. Um, and with that, uh, that'll be a wrap on this episode of the Sports Cafe. Ian Gus, Mike Weil, Adam Rosen, myself. We will see you next week.